we really partner closely with both on the marketing side, with our sales team and our customer success team. It's not enough to just say like scan someone's badge and say like, oh, we generated, you know, 100, 200, 300 uh, leads from this event. That's Juliet Capecchi, Chief Marketing Officer at LinkSquares. She's built a comprehensive event strategy that perfectly complements her ABM strategy that's focused on creating memorable experiences with personal connections. But they have to be able to be engaging and to be able to have that conversation, to talk about our product, to better understand like our customers so that anytime anyone comes to the booth and like engages, it's not just, let me scan your badge and here's a piece of swag. Come along as Julia takes us through everything she's doing, the tools she's using, and how she's using ABM and educational content to push prospects down the funnel. It's Dan here. I'm the CEO of the leading tech stack agency, McGaw. And each week, I get to speak to executives to find out the strategies and tactics they're using to drive revenue and the stack that powers it. So let's get into this episode with my conversation with Juliet Kopecki. My name is Juliet Kopecki. I am the Chief Marketing Officer at LinkSquares. Awesome. Well, thanks for being able to join us. Now, I'm, I'm interested. Help me understand because, like, in every and Link Squares being a SaaS company overall, right? Like, help me understand. Like, on your team, does product marketing sit on your team? Demand gen. Like, help me just understand the landscape. Yep. So marketing is separated out into four different teams uh, that I oversee. So we have our uh, creative team, which does all of our video design, all of our uh, graphic design, our overall brand and story. We have our content team, which manages things like our written content, whether that's our blog, whether that's eBooks, guides, things that we do, social media, press falls under our content team. We've got demand gen, which is all about lead generation, marketing ops sits under uh, demand gen, our events team, paid acquisition, uh, things like our ABM strategy, all of our paid ads. And then we have product marketing as well, which is all of our product feature launches, competitive intelligence, analyst relations, all sits under product marketing. Well, you definitely have your hands full of that. I mean, that's a lot of people to be able to have under you. So definitely power I know, to but you I love it. to keep that organized. Do you? I like that. I do. I do. When you think about like Link Squares, though, I mean, help us better understand what does Link Squares actually do? So we are a CLM company, which is contract lifecycle management. What we do is we offer an AI-powered CLM. So really at the end of the day, what we help our customers do, which are in-house legal teams, is we help them write better contracts. We help them understand what's in their existing contracts by using AI, and then also help them collaborate with all the different teams that they work with in an organization. You think about like for every single company, um, contracts are really the lifeblood of their business. Like nothing happens without contracts, whether it's hiring people, partnerships, new customers, vendors that you work with, everything really comes down to a contract. And so much of a company's important data is really housed in that contract. And so we help companies, you know, write better contracts that are going to help move their business forward. And then later on, when they need to evaluate contracts, like let's say if they're going through a fundraise or due diligence, or they're really trying to understand, um, you know, what do their vendors look like or risks within their business, a lot of times that comes down to looking what was written inside that contract and what are those obligations that the company has to its customers and that also to other vendors and uh, people that they work with. What are your goals like for your team, for your department? What are some of the goals and metrics that you follow? When we have our company goals for revenue goals, uh, things like net retention, product launches, I'm always thinking about how does marketing support those goals. 
And so I'm always looking at marketing campaigns, I think, with that eye of like, how is marketing contributing to revenue? How is marketing helping us renew our customers and generate revenue through upsells and renewals? And how are we helping people understand our products and what we do? And really understand that like full suite of what Linksquares offers at the end of the day. I think that sometimes marketing gets a bad reputation of marketing is like arts and crafts and not contributing to the business. And that is never something that I want like my team to be thought of and to do. And I think it's something that I pull really from my background. If I think about like from the finance quantitative side, I'm always like analyzing our campaigns and saying, how is this contributing to the overall goals of the business? And there are certainly like marketing specific metrics that I look at. Some of the the typical, I would say like marketing metrics around like how are we generating uh, marketing qualified leads? How are we helping our sales team build pipeline? What is the awareness and traffic for our website? What does that marketing funnel look like overall? Yeah, no, I think it's actually interesting. Like one of the things that I've seen in my career is like people who come from a finance background tend to be very successful in marketing because there's a lot of people who get into marketing who are, as you were talking about, like butterflies and flowers and like creative. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that because there's always a place for the creative side of it. But when it comes down to the modern marketing with all the data that we have and the metrics that we have, I see finance people being very successful there, right? And I think one of the things that's interesting, you know, and we talked about this a little bit in your pre-interview is like, you have net retention, you have revenue and things like that, but you also have a big focus on generating content that's going to engage people and push them down the pipeline. And then you're also working a lot on marketing attribution. So it's definitely interesting to hear kind of how you're taking a very data-driven approach to this to ultimately make sure that you're, you're leading up to all those metrics. Well, I always want to understand, you know, like what's working and what's not working. Like I certainly don't want to waste my time on like campaigns that aren't producing actual results. And there's always like, I think there's always also like this blend of things. There's going to be some number of campaigns that we run that might be more difficult from like a tracking perspective of if I think about a recent like out of home campaign that we did, it's a little bit harder to track, like how does that contribute into pipeline and revenue for the business? But it's also thinking about overall, like the marketing campaigns, I think about like how much of my budget do I want to devote to some of these things that are more like typically like harder to track items? Which are the items that we want to see like that direct like contribution into pipeline and revenue that come in and being really comfortable with that and doing it in a really purposeful way that we understand, you know, why we're spending the money that we're spending. What do we expect to see as results? And what are the goals that we want to contribute to at the end of the day? Now, trying to hit all these goals and metrics and things like that, I mean, I guess like what are some of your big initiatives or strategies you're using to really hit those goals? It's interesting. I can think about a couple of different ways to answer that question. If I think about marketing campaigns um, overall, I would say we do spend a lot of our our budget and sort of like the team, uh, we do a ton of events. You know, there's some companies where events are successful. There's other companies where events aren't necessarily successful. You know, HubSpot being a key use case. So like you have these people that come in from the event, they're going into a lead scanner. I'm assuming they're then getting like imported into HubSpot and Salesforce, right? And then you are then using an ABM platform to try to then syndicate that content and re-engage them. Can you help me better understand the ABM strategy there? We use iCapture on the event side. We do use HubSpot. Obviously, I'm a huge fan of HubSpot. Having worked there in the past, we use Salesforce on the sales side. We use Sixth Sense for our ABM platform. But all of the different ways that we also like pair it with, you know, whether that's email sense that we do, whether it's ABM, you know, on different sites, whether it's 
doing different targeted campaigns, whether it's across like social and all of the different platforms. What's nice about this particular industry event is they also have like different local chapters that they do events with. They have different content syndication that they also run through their own platform that we participate in and different ways that we can nurture and engage and continue to build that relationship with people from the event. Yeah. And what's iCapture? It's our lead scanner tool that we use at events. What it does is it just like helps us build that connection from like when you scan it and getting it into the system and collecting all that data and great information uh, that we need to help engage with people. Interesting. So it's it's enabling you to not only just capture the person's lead in there, but also save pertinent information of what you need to know about that person based upon the dialogue and the conversation. Exactly. And then, I mean, I think that sometimes I know that I've gone to events like in the past or where you have a strategy and you're just waiting for that like list from maybe the organizers to upload into the system, but maybe it doesn't have all the information that you want. Maybe you have to kind of like do a little bit massaging of like that data to kind of get it into the actual system. And so iCapture um, helps us like with the process, makes it just like more seamless for our events team and how do we get that information out to our sales team and into our systems. Now, I guess, how does the lead then get closed after the fact? Certainly, we follow up with them with some, um, I would say, traditional, like, it really depends on the lead and say, like, what they were interested in and the person. A lot of times, people will even come and engage at the booth and, and do a demo of our product. But we layer on things like our email marketing strategy, ABM strategy, obviously following up with the sales team, doing nurture campaigns. We also produce a ton of content. I know that we kind of went deep into like event strategy and talking about it. And certainly it's it's a big part of our, our marketing strategy and the budget and things that we spend on. But another huge area is just even around like content and things that are going to engage people, whether it's for the first time or as an additional touch point that we have. And we have all these different channels that we use to send out content, whether that's, you know, an ebook or a guide, whether that's a webinar or a future event that we're hosting, whether it's for them to watch an episode of our cockpit council series that's led by our chief legal officer, uh, Tim Perilla. So we do a ton of different ways that we engage with people even after an event to keep that relationship going and to stay top of mind. Yeah. So you talked about you get these leads, you use some of these tools, you're trying to push in that lead down the funnel. I guess like naturally it sounds like sales plays a big role once there's a lead and they get involved. So I'm curious, like when you think about trying to maybe nurture that individual, I guess like is that mainly happening leveraging HubSpot and then pushing that person through HubSpot or are there other tools that you're engaging with the customer or maybe I should say prospect? And then like, how are you measuring all of that? So typically what happens, you know, after we meet maybe someone at an event, depending on, you know, let's say whether they're a prospect and someone that's newer to Link, the Link Squares universe or someone who's already an existing customer, obviously we treat those two different groups in different ways. Depending on the way in which we've engaged them in the booth, I mean, really the strategy at the booth is kind of like to determine partially like where that person might be in their buying cycle, right? And are they a good fit for our system? Maybe that's partially asking the question of like, what tools do they already have in place? Are they evaluating systems? You know, are they familiar with LinkSquares? And to collect some of that data as part of the booth conversation so that we can determine what is the best way to kind of follow up with them next. In an ideal scenario, right? Someone has an active project, they're looking for a CLM, they're already maybe sort of engaged in that process. And obviously then for the team that is on site, it's going to be to also deliver them a demo, you know, whether that's in the booth or schedule time while they're there. 
And in terms of that, you know, that's an easy group to kind of like fork off as well, because that just goes directly to our sales team. For people that are maybe less familiar with Link Squares, maybe um, purchasing a CLM is something that's like six, seven months out, or maybe just like not something that they know that they have the budget for currently. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to nurture them and engage them with different content and touch points that we have. For a lot of legal teams, what has really surprised me, I suppose, about, about this buyer you ask like a typical legal team, you know, what does their tech stack look like, right? And a lot of times they'll say something like, you know, we use Microsoft Word to write our contracts. Maybe we use an e-signature tool already. And then we store all of our contracts in, you know, Google Drive, Dropbox, shared file system online. I kind of bucket those in this general office productivity bucket of like tech stack. To me, that's not, that might be what your legal team uses, but it's not like a legal specific tech stack. If you ask me, and I know we talked a little bit about this before the call, you say, what does marketing use and what does our tech stack look like? You know, it's probably like 15 to 20 different tools that I could rattle off that we use just for marketing and that are marketing specific. And so for legal teams, a lot of times when they're looking at something like Link Squares and thinking about a CLM, it's the first time that they're purchasing a piece of technology that is designed for their needs in mind that doesn't fit into this like realm of general office productivity that they're saying, what do I need as a general counsel or as a corporate counsel? And what is the thing that's going to help me and my team be more productive and to do our jobs? And so for us on the content side, we do a lot of education and thought leadership in these areas, right? Like helping them understand what are the ways to think about maybe like purchasing a CLM? How should they think about that evaluation process? How to make the case for buying like technology within their organization? How to even understand like AI and capabilities and what it can mean for legal teams? How are, how are you delivering this education? How are you making sure your thought leadership is getting out there? How are you getting that message to these event attendees? I mean, a lot of it comes from uh, email marketing that we do. The email marketing that we do is through HubSpot. There are certainly other channels that we utilize for the different types of content that we have. We do a ton of video content. We use Wistia um, as our video hosting platform. Obviously, the events that we do are another touch point that we have, even for people who have attended other events that we have. We do a number of webinars um, that are focused on like thought leadership topics. What are you using for webinars? For webinars, we uh, use GoToWebinar for that. Can you tell me a little bit more about like your, your webinar strategy? Like, How are you running it using GoToWebinar? How is it connected to the rest of the things? Yeah. So it really depends on like the type of webinar that we're running, whether it's thought leadership. We also do a number of like product specific webinars um, that are really targeted to our customers that we launch as part of like our product and feature launch strategy. And then we have our uh, webinar series that we run. How is that connected so you can measure the effectiveness of it? Like you talk about this video with Wistia and then you have the webinars. I'm curious, like how are you measuring the effectiveness of that and connecting all those dots together to ultimately show marketing's contribution to an MQL or to sales pipeline? Yeah, so a lot of that, um, all of that data flows through HubSpot and it also flows through Salesforce. So a lot of the reporting that we'll pull for our revenue specific data and our attribution and the campaigns that we look at, we'll pull that data from Salesforce, which kind of is like what collects all of that data for us to be able to connect all the dots together. But obviously there's a lot of inputs that go into Salesforce for us to do that campaign level reporting and that attribution reporting. 
And then the attribution reporting that you're running out of Salesforce, is that just the native attribution campaign reporting from Salesforce or are you doing something a little bit more grander? We do a little bit of both. Uh, we have um, some like custom data fields and properties that we use to be able to slice and dice the data in different ways. And then we're also using um, one of the newer platforms that we've adopted is Seismic to be able to track and like do attribution for some of the other campaigns that we run as well. Now, Seismic is like a... I don't want to call it an LMS. You know, I had Kyle Lacey, who was their SVP of demand because he was part of Lessonly and got acquired by Seismic. You know, Seismic does a little bit of everything, but they are definitely like a education management platform. So I guess like, how are you using Seismic to provide you attribution? And is Seismic a part of this educational stuff that you're teaching your team or even your customers? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, So Seismic is a tool that we just recently launched out to the team because what we wanted to do, especially from like a product marketing perspective, is to really better understand for our sales and for our success teams, how they were utilizing the content that we were creating on the marketing side to also better understand their needs, things like usage. And also as our team, um, especially on the sales and customer side, have continued to grow, which are the things that are uh, really helpful Helpful, whether it's for certain verticals, certain size customers, and identify different trends. What happened, especially like as we've continued to grow our team, that we have so much content that we've created. And we also needed to have a better way to organize it for the team uh, so that they could find like the resources that they were looking for, whether that was maybe a piece of collateral, whether that was a guide or a link to a webinar or a case study or something that they were looking for so that we could create some of those different playbooks for them and that they would have an easier way to send them out to prospects and customers uh, to engage with them and to you know, increase sales efficiency overall. Yeah, so it sounds like you have this uh, a lot of content, right? Between the videos you're doing, the webinars you're doing, thought leadership, and then you're using Seismic as a little bit of a way to manage not only that content to be able to get it to your teams, but also the internal education and product marketing so that way they know how to effectively sell the product as well. And I would say a big piece of that was also like the measurement piece. So I would say, you know, why we adopted Seismic was for certainly all of those things. But one of the things that I really wanted to have data and insight into was for some of like the usage of like the different resources that we create, especially on the product marketing side. Usage internally or usage by customers? Both. Oh, cool. In terms of like information that we create and to understand like what is the value that we're helping like drive into our sales team, but also then from an external facing, you know, what are the pieces of content that are maybe helping like close a deal that like our prospects are looking at and evaluating at using to in their evaluation of link squares. I want to rewind a bit back to Juliet's event strategy. Lately, people have been talking all about doing in-person events. I mean, people are excited to get out and do business together after the lockdown, and travel is happening like crazy right now. In-person events, though, also help you connect with clients in a way that cannot be done online. Don't get me wrong, I love webinars. We do them all the time. I have a podcast and things like that. But there's something different about connecting with people in person. From a business perspective, as Juliet mentioned, people go to some events because they want to buy something. And you can show them why your product is amazing for them and give them the experience they won't forget. By knowing which events are for buyers, you can create strong relationships with potential customers who could become buyers later on. 
You have to understand though, not all events are for buyers. There's plenty of events out there which people are just going for the education. And if you get a booth, you might get lucky and you might find a few buyers. But there are events which are specifically done for buying. There's a lot of expos out there which are really, really driven to make sure that we get buyers. Let's get back to Juliet though and dig in deeper. It's been really interesting. What I would say is like throughout my marketing career is that when I was at HubSpot, we didn't do a ton of events in terms of sponsoring events and going to events because we didn't find that there were a lot of buyers that were looking to purchase at events. Whereas what I've been really surprised at at Link Squares is that events are a huge driver of revenue for us. That legal teams go to these different events to actually evaluate and look at software. And they'll oftentimes come with sort of that like shopping list of like, oh, okay, I want to buy a CLM. Let me stop by these booths to really understand and like see a demo of a product. And I would say that buying behavior isn't something that I've seen in my past experience. And it's something that's a a really strong driver of business for us at LinkSquares. And so we do a really big event strategy because it works for us. And so there's sometimes where I get like this question about, you know, how much money should I spend on events? Like what part of my marketing budget should that be? And I always encourage people like, I, I think there's like no like one size fits all. There's not like one answer to that question where you should spend 20% of your budget, you know, doing XYZ strategy. I always encourage people to, you know, test out and iterate, like start small, like see what kind of results that you have and be able to track and measure those to say like, does it work for you or does it not? So one of the largest events that we did, we actually just had, it was back in October. It's the ACC annual event. ACC stands for the Association of Corporate Counsel. So this is really like our key target audience. This is kind of like the big dream force of, let's say, like the um, (laughs) in-house counsel world, right? And so we had a really big presence there. So they change the city every year in terms of where it's hosted. This year, it happened to be at Vegas at a pretty new property there, Resorts World. And we we went big at this event. We kind of did a little bit of an event takeover where we had a huge 10 by 20 booth. We probably sent about 20 to 25 people from the Link Squares team to this event. We did three different events for prospects, customers, a large cocktail event. We also did a ton of um, out-of-home campaign spend, which was actually something that was relatively new for us at Link Squares. But Resorts World, one of the really cool things about this property is basically the entire front of the property is a huge digital screen. So literally probably like 60 floors of digital screen that you can see literally as you fly into Vegas. And so we did a campaign on the front of the building. They actually have three properties, the main resorts world, they have the side of the building, and then uh, the Zook Tower, which is one of their nightclubs. We also did digital campaigns in the airport. Basically, what we wanted to happen is that we knew that this is where our key customer goes. We wanted to take over from the minute that they step on the plane to when they take maybe that Uber or taxi into Resorts World to when they step in the conference, what they're doing at night, that there is no way that nobody could, that anybody could be <laughs> at that conference and not see, hear, or experience Link Squares and have a touch point with our team and our company. 
Something I'm always trying to get into marketers' heads is getting someone to see your message once is not enough. In reality, you need to have them see your message like 50-something time in different places. You want them to feel like you're a big and reputable brand and that they can trust you without a doubt. And seeing you all over the place is definitely a helpful thing. And a one-off encounter doesn't really do all that much. And having a shitload of encounters does. But don't just take my word for it. There's a psychological effect that supports this strategy, and it's called the mirror exposure effect, or sometimes called the familiarity principle. There's a great video by Adam Earhart on YouTube that sums this up very well. Essentially, what the mirror exposure effect says is that the more somebody sees something, the more familiar they are with it, the more often you're appearing in front of your clients and in front of your customers, well, the more they're going to naturally like you and trust you, both of which are unsurprisingly incredibly important to build a solid and sustainable business. So by trying to appear more often in front of your customers and in front of your clients, you kind of get to kill two birds with one stone. What a terribly morbid analogy. You get to show up more recently, meaning that they're going to trust your message and view it as more important and holding more weight, and you're also going to take advantage of the mere exposure effect by showing up more often, which naturally leads to an increase in likability and trust. This is why when it comes to marketing, more really is more, especially if we're trying to increase frequency and increase touch points. All of this really backs Juliet's strategy to essentially do an event takeover with intense visibility marketing. And I'm a big fan of this technique. I've used it in the past. And honestly, we don't do events at Magaw unless we get some sort of takeover at the event. At our last event, we had a booth, we sponsored the cocktail hour, we sponsored the lanyards, and we had a big giveaway for everybody at the event. And this landed us multiple six-figure deals that had a high ROI for us. In other events where we just had a booth, we were not able to get the same type of momentum or return on the event. Seems like Juliet's employing the same strategy. I was curious though, if all of this was just deployed to get people over to her booth or if there's more to it. Let's hear what she had to say. I would say that's like the primary goal. Like we want them to engage with us at the booth. We want them to stop by, see a demo of our product. But it's also having those multiple touch points where it's like we did a large cocktail event. We did two different dinners. We did an event at Top Golf. So maybe they didn't stop by our booth, but maybe they heard like, hey, all their friends or their colleagues are going to these different events and they came along for that. It's also for after the event where our sales team or our success team can follow up and maybe somebody didn't stop by that event. But it's also like a great way to in some ways like open up that conversation where I know that there are conversations that happened on our sales side where maybe someone didn't stop by our booth, but you know, it's like, hey, this is Juliet calling from Link Squares. And it's like, okay, yeah, like I've heard of Link Squares. I saw you in the airport. I saw you on the side of the building. And, you know, it's a definitely like a touch point and a reference where it's like, wow, you guys are everywhere. You guys are huge. I keep hearing about you. I keep seeing about you. And I think that's like a long lasting effect that even if they didn't stop by our booth, that we're still able to draw on and like build off of from a marketing standpoint. So I'll make the assumption there's this stereotypical booth, they're doing demos, they've got the lead scanner. One of my favorite people to hire are marketing operations people that come from a company that do field marketing. And it's because like in field marketing, you guys are, you're fighting with bazookas and jets, like you guys have your stuff dialed in. But I guess like once somebody gets scanned into that lead, right? Like how is your team then closing that deal and actually driving revenue? Well, you know what's really interesting, even in terms of our event strategy, this is like an area that we really partner closely with both on the marketing side, with our sales team and our customer success team. So those like 20 to 25 people that we sent um, to this event, for example, 
came not just from the marketing side and our events team, uh, from product marketing as well, but also from our sales and our customer success team. And even some of the members of our executive team as well go to these events. And one of the things I think that also like comes from my product marketing background is that for people to go to an event and to be at the booth, it's not enough to just say like scan someone's badge and say like, oh, we generated, you know, 100, 200, 300 uh, leads from this event. But they have to be able to be engaging and to be able to have that conversation, to talk about our product, to better understand like our customers so that anytime anyone comes to the booth and like engages, it's not just let me scan your badge and here's a piece of swag. It's like, let me learn more about what contracts look at your organization. You know, what are some of the challenges that you have? Are you looking for something like a CLM? Have you started to adopt AI tools? And that the people at that level can have those conversations, that they want to have those conversations and they want to engage with our prospects and customers and build that relationship. And this is something that we, you know, building that relationship with our sales and our customer success team, they know that these events are successful. They know that it's an opportunity for them to close more business and that they love going to an event and have the opportunity to be able to do that and to work with our team. And I think that's something that's actually like really unique for our business and within our culture um, at Link Squares, that like for myself and our um, chief revenue officer, that we've worked really hard to build that relationship and that sort of camaraderie and that collaboration for these things to make them ultimately really successful that I don't see other companies doing all the time. There's so many takeaways that Juliet's strategy had. So let's kind of recap here. First, she's utilizing impactful in-person touch points at live events. She's found that for her target audience, these events are places where people are going with the intent to purchase. And she's utilizing that by creating a valuable interaction where link squares can educate those prospects and give them hands-on experience. She's then using iCapture to collect all that data and those prospects to get them into her funnel. Secondly, she's complementing that with an event takeover. By doing this, she's pinning link squares in the minds of her customers and her target prospects. This strategy is a great way to take advantage of the mere exposure effect and build a sense of trust in link squares as a viable and effective tool. And lastly, once she gets prospects in her funnel, she's using an ABM strategy powered by Sixth Sense. In that phase, she's pumping out all the useful content like videos and webinars to educate those potential buyers. She's also using the same content to enable marketing and sales so that way at every touchpoint, it's presenting a united front and equally informative message. That's what Juliet had for us today. To stay up to date and see how you can turn your company into a revenue machine and know the stack to use to power it, hit that subscribe button now. This is Dan with Magaw, and I'll see you next week.